0: Uh, you press the record button, so it's, it's happening. We're so running. Everything yeah. is
1: happening. Oh my
2: like, god, we're on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll go. Oh, yeah, you you, you. you
0: go, Holly. All right. So this is your buddy. We're bringing. So him. How do
1: you know? How do you know? I I booked this special guest because of his musical knowledge.
2: Oh so, no! Now you're building my part. Now you're building my part.
1: Yeah, I am. I already have. So hey, Dave.
2: Hey, Holly. What's going on?
1: Hey, welcome to what difference does it make?
0: great to be here. I, I love when we bring in special guests.
1: We have a guest. I'm so excited. I've, we've been waiting for you. I mean, not just today.
0: <laughs> we've been sorry. waiting
1: for you to arrive in Los Angeles. I'm so excited to have you because you're, in, you're an encyclopedia. But Who is I'm going to introduce you. Yeah, please do. This is Dan McGrath, currently the creative director at No Sheet Music, which is a, a production a music production house in, in the UK. He's also a composer uh, and producer of... of music, and TV themes, most notably – can I say it? I know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Most notably for uh, – well, I'll start with Dancing with the Stars because that's how we know it here, but also strictly uh, come dancing in the UK. Yep. And I'm going to let Dan – so those are his – those are some of his credentials. I'm going to let him tell you about his, his past because he's also a radio guy and a music guy, so – Give us a little, Dan. Take it away. We will. Welcome, yay! <laughs> hello,
2: hello, hello, thank you. All right, Woo. <laughs> you've done all the you've done all the headlines now. I've got to kind of go through the dull stuff. You can tell me when it gets dull. I, I have
1: more if you want me to say it. It's much more exciting I, I, coming from you. I, I
2: so yeah. My whole uh, my career, I've spent my time trying to be in music because that's what I love. I mm-hmm. hope and um, started when I was a sound engineer back in uh, the eighties, as we all uh, know <laughs> and love. Um, And yeah When I was very young I went into a recording studio And saw uh, mixing desks And I saw speakers And I thought I want to be in a room like this As much as I can be For the rest of my life And hey here we are again In a room (laughs) with speakers And mixing desks So that was kind of my That was my remit Um, And yeah Bought Starman When I was seven years old And from then on in I was in Tried to get into the world of music And recording studios So my career was a sound engineer I went through radio production in the 90s so for 10 years i worked with a guy called chris evans who um he was kind of billed as the uk howard stern at the time in the 90s he was the the enfant terrible and we went on the air and we did zoo format radio so we did this a lot we sat in a room together with mics and we just shot the breeze it felt like, you know, it was a bit more than that, um, and that for yeah, and that was a phenomenal time in my career because I just did some very high-profile radio shows and met lots of very famous people and had a lot of wild times. <laughs> That's a different podcast, that one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's going to
1: be the added the added uh, value. Yeah, stop me
2: when I'm rambling. So, um, and so that was that, and then in 2001, um, there were uh, there was a moment where we were famously sacked. The whole team was sacked and it's uh, recorded in the UK press quite uh, quite publicly. And weirdly, I just bumped into somebody in LA and went, hey, and he went, hey, and I knew him around that time. So there's a, there's a thing. And he's now <laughs> living in Beverly Hills and having a good time. Um, and um, I went into writing TV music in 2001 and I teamed up with a guy called Josh Phillips. And we just started getting work writing entertainment music mainly. And so the the, the Strictly Slash Dancing with the Stars thing was early on in about 2004, came to America in 2006, that piece of music. And so for us, that was kind of that kind of opened doors and got us to write a lot of TV music and uh, entertainment TV music. So very short pieces of music that don't last long.
1: And you won awards for them.
2: Well, we get an ASCAP award, which is, uh, you, you know, in the States, the ASCAP is one of the collection societies that collects royalties on music. So we get an award from ASCAP every year, not because the music's any good. We get an award because the music just gets played. But I'm not arguing. <laughs> an award is an award.
1: I don't have any. Hey, uh,
2: uh, although as my <laughs> friend Mitch says, don't thank me, pay me. But, um, you know, yeah. yeah, so we get an award for yes. that reason because it gets it gets broadcast. It's one of the most broadcast pieces of music in America, or was. Maybe we won't get one this year. I don't know. So we <laughs> we get to go and sit in a room with people who did CSI and those kind of shows. And um, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs>
0: okay. And how did you get in the door? I mean, you just, you miraculously, Some this music doesn't just end up on a producer's desk and it's like oh this is brilliant that's it (laughs) (laughs) who is this i don't know you know
2: i don't care you know it's it's who you know it's absolutely who you know and and at the time when i went into write tv music it was because i had a really good black book full of people that were in television and radio and i kind of thought this is this is a way of uh, of continuing a career um so yeah i the the executive producer phoned me up and said uh we're looking for pitches and so it's uh, and in the UK it was a show that was was, so they said it's like Saturday night the guy presenting it was a guy called Bruce Forsyth the late Bruce Forsyth who is a, a British TV icon uh and they said it's a dancing show and it's back in the seventies there was a show called Come Dancing on in the UK and my mum and I used to watch this show and it was really dull. It was like <laughs> there's Jenny and Steve and they're going to be doing the Pasadoble <laughs> and Steve's wearing the black outfit and Jenny's wearing it off the shoulder. And it was all very low-key and very British. And they said, Yeah, we're doing we're gonna do that show but with celebrities. And it was around the time in the UK where everything was called All Star This or Celebrity That. Every TV show was you know any entertain- entertainment.
0: Back, sure. By the way, huh? that's back. By the way, that's back. Yeah. All <laughs> it's doing that all. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
2: they were going, but we're going to call it. It was going to be called Celebrity Come Dancing, and then they changed it to Strictly Come Dancing because of uh, Strictly Ballroom. And uh, I remember saying to Josh, the guy I write with at the time, that's a terrible idea. Nobody's going to watch that <laughs> show. It's still on in the, it's still oh, on in the right. UK nearly 20-odd uh, <laughs> years, nearly tw- you know, 15, 16 years later. And it's not showing any signs of going anywhere. That's crazy. And is
0: that, where Ray, is that where Ray Davies probably got the, the title? What, come it, well, Come Dancing. Well, no, he
2: was way before that. Was. Oh, you see the TV show? Yeah, no, no, probably the, the original. Well, Maybe. Yeah, the
0: ti- yeah, the title of his oh. song in the 80s, uh, Come Dancing.
2: It may well have been Maybe from that, that was- from that dance show. Yeah, it could have been. Okay. <laughs> let's just say yes. <laughs> Who knew? We're going to say yes. yes. Ray did. Yes. Phone in right now.
1: <laughs> Ask him. Ask him next time you speak with him. All yeah. right. So he's not listening.
0: <laughs> so then let's go back. Uh, should we go to the – how do you want to take this?
1: Okay. So I, we, we, met, right. we, we, we met through through radio business, music. Yep. But I, the reason I was so uh, excited to have you on the show is because of your vast knowledge of 80s music. <laughs> and I thought it would be really fun to talk with you. Although I'll probably end up really being really embarrassed. Dave won't because he knows everything, but he probably doesn't know everything about the the type of music that Day, that Dan knows about. I don't know it across
2: the pond. I think uh, I he think probably- so. Well, the interesting thing is going to be that, isn't it? Is the is the yeah. the, the, the cultural differences because there's a shedload of bands that you guys probably know and love or knew and love and a load mm. of bands that I know and love that were very UK centric and mm. you know you've got the US centric bands so that'll be interesting I don't know if I have an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge but I'm you know well, you're eight, passionate let's you're say passionate. 80s electronica let's go there because I can hopefully give it a go but <laughs> right. if we start getting really nerdy about it I might struggle I have my uh, I have my classic 80s pop book here in general, so I can get that out at any point did movie. you
1: buy that just because you knew you were no. coming
2: here hey no this was on my <laughs> shelf because people know me so the, somebody bought this for me and I've got a, I've got a quick list I'm going to have to throw at you in a minute for a, for a certain reason but uh, anyway, okay do you want to
1: open with that well uh,
2: okay I will do <laughs> if you want me to so uh, you know the whole notion of this being uh, an 80s centric uh, program I st- uh, there was something I wanted to do which was I think and you may have well have done this in one of your previous shows but I think it was worth doing
1: you haven't listened to all of
2: them no I've listened to <laughs> a few obviously <laughs> is that Thank you for listening. Uh, here, what I've done is I, there's one year that isn't in the 80s uh, that I think needs to be an honorary member of the 80s, and that is 1979.
1: I agree with you.
2: For the sole reason that if I start reading this list of <laughs> big hits from 1979, this is the UK, but these, uh, the, a lot of these will transfer. If this isn't part of the 80s, there's something wrong because this year spawned so many great bands, so many hits. And also for me, Gary Newman and Army are in there <laughs> and... You know, that for me, it was once Bowie... Once I loved Bowie too much, I was looking for other stuff. And when Gary Newman appeared on the scene, that was it for me. I was like, he's the next guy for me. So 79, and I'll I'll only quickly skim through this because it will get boring, but you had, like, Our Friends Electric, Jibway Army, I Don't Like Monday's Boomtown Rats, Blondie Heart of Glass, Roxy Music, Dance Away, Injury Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick... The YMCA, The Village People, 1979. I would have said it was (laughs) early in that, but maybe, I don't know. Me too. Police message in a bottle, M pop music, Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall. So it goes on and on. Cars. Newman, obviously. Uh, so 79, if you're in, you know, if you're Squeeze, obviously we love Squeeze. <laughs> uh, and uh, ELO are in there, Madness are in there, Flying Lizards, you know, it goes on and on and on. So I think 79, if you if you want to throw that in as an 80s year, okay. it's a kind of, it's the runway year, isn't it? I'm going to
0: guess you graduated high school in, let's say, 1979? Oh, no. Well? Uh, not-
2: no, you're saying high school. So you're saying, is that secondary school for oh, me? Sorry. I would have been... I was born 66, so I would oh, okay. have left. You yeah, know, okay, very yeah, yeah. good. So, all right,
0: so my apologies to so you. you are, you're clearly younger than, yeah, five years. I, I was on by five like years. That. So
2: I was, well, I <laughs> was going mad. When, once I hit about 13, 14 years old. Oh, of course, like all of us. Yeah, that was when it was And I think all, you
0: were probably looking on the the UK version of that, because some of those songs, like I, I do believe, like YMCA probably didn't hit until, across the, until, uh <laughs>
2: It was earlier. It, it was no. in the
0: U.S. and then it probably went to the yeah. U.K. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, It could well have been, yeah, absolutely. But a lot, obviously a lot of British acts there. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know how
0: quickly they got over here. So what was your, uh, okay, so what was your first album you bought? You be- with your own
2: money, uh, <laughs> Hunky Dory, I think, was the first album I bought. Is that I, right? Yeah. Well, I was uh, I was taken down to HMV, which was now I think HMV yeah. exists anymore. But in Putney High Street in Southwest London, my mother took me down to HMV, and I was seven years old. And um, because I had great music taste in my house, my mum had very young music taste, and my brother was listening to lots of kind of uh, new wave and, and prog rock and all that kind of thing, loads of stuff, but um, so I went with my probably was ninety nine p at the time and bought Starman David Bowie seven inch
1: mm.
2: of vinyl uh, over the counter you know and um, I listened to that repeatedly repeatedly uh, and went to sleep singing the words in my head slightly OCD yeah. so I think Hunky Dory was probably the first full album I bought and yeah I would say to this day still probably in the top three albums for me ever you know wow what well, so was
1: yours Dave
2: the first first album I bought yeah.
0: Um with your own money. Yeah, I know. I'm, uh I'm thinking it was as I'm thinking back, it was probably the cars in seventy eight. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm pretty sure. That was like one one of the one of the uh one of them. And also the NAC and that seventy oh, okay. nine era. Honestly, I don't really know. I remember buying a lot of forty fives. Yeah. Um I remember like Undercover Angel, I think was one, of them. <laughs> which I learned later was about masturbating. But <laughs> knew. I, I don't think I ever knew no? that. Oh, yeah. So Look at the, read the lyrics again. You'll be shocked. It's shocking. <laughs> I don't know that song you see. So who did that? That, that was like Alan O'Day. Okay. Which, which, yeah. Uh, and where I, is I,
1: he
2: now? Did he masturbate himself to I, death? I, or? I, you know
1: that could happen. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I heard
2: that can happen. I hear you can grow yeah, a hair on your palms <laughs> or <Yes>. something. Yeah. <laughs> certainly go blind yes exactly that's going on the
1: playlist so you will hear it if you listen to the Spotify playlist because there's going to be one for all the songs that we talk about okay
2: I'm going to try and think of a really obscure song (laughs) that might not be on Spotify we'll talk about Taylor Swift or Adele or somebody who doesn't want (laughs) this song well
0: this seems like a good time to take a break so we'll be right back Welcome back to what difference does it make? So, did you immediately g- gravitate to <laughs> keyboards, or what? Uh, what are you? What were you playing? I, I'm the- a terrible musician. Okay. No, I.
2: I um, That's not true.
1: I know it's not true. I. <laughs> you're very modest. The first thing I
2: did with my mate John, when we were about fifteen. Oh no, probably older, sixteen or seventeen. We tried to buy synthesizers because mm-hmm. we wanted to sound like Depeche Mode. We wanted to be. We wanted to do that. So um, I bought a terrible little keyboard called a Casio VL1, which now is kind of slightly collectible. Uh, and then the first proper... Uh, did you ask me what synths I bought? Anyway, I'm going to tell you because okay. I'm obsessed good. with synthesizers. Go ahead. Um, my mate John bought a Roland SH-09, which is a, which is a classic monosynth, and everybody these days is now buying all this kind of um, remade, reworked versions of these things. Uh, and I bought what was called a Sequential Circuits Pro 1. And <laughs> I've still got it. It's still in my studio. I've uh-huh. just renovated it, just put a new keyboard into it. And it's the greatest mono synth ever. And uh-huh. I've had people come over and, and you switch it on and they play it. And they go, oh, my God, this is fantastic if they're kind of, you know, analog synth freaks. Um, so, and we were two and fingers. You couldn't why, play chords. Why is that? What is it about the sound? Mm-hmm. What, what the well, the. How long now. have we got, Dave? Because this, go. go. this can get really <laughs> nerdy. The Pro One has very, the, Vince Clark, the great Vince Clark, who spawned you know yes. uh, brilliant 80s bands left, right, and center, had the Pro One and did all the Yazoo first albums on it. So, if you listen to "Don't Go" and those tracks uh, off off Upstairs at Eric's, loads of that was done on the Pro One, and he loved it because. Um the envelopes on it Sorry ladies and gentlemen This is going to lose a few of you mm. The envelopes on it but Were, we're really fast Really mm. quick The attack You have an envelope And a sound has an envelope Has an attack A decay A sustain A release These are the points Of, a, of, a, of, a, of an envelope <laughs> The attack on the Pro 1 Is really quick So you can do bass drums with it So you can get it to do this <laughs> Sound, but it will do really, really tight bass sounds and stuff. So when you listen to those early Vince Clark songs, and he was obsessed with everything being metronomic and being on the sixteenth beat or whatever it was, uh, he loved because he was a computer musician first and foremost. Um, the Pro One for him was like that was the thing. So uh, yeah, that was my synth, and I bought it in Soho Soundhouse, mm-hmm. and I took it back in. A, I treated myself to a taxi back from London with this massive box and this synthesizer, and that yeah never looked back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh what what would you what is the quintessential vince clark song I mean like for you like what is like when you think of that sound and you know uh, like if I was going to put something on the spotify playlist well,
2: it's either don't go, I'm trying to think what uh, um or um where you hear the bass and then, like it yeah and that that's the don't that's the pro one and then he did uh only you is all pro one only you is all Pro oh, One from start right. to finish. Oh, okay. All the drum, bass drums and that do 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 mm-hmm. that all that it's delayed. Mm-hmm. That's all Pro One. That whole track. So if you put only you on, that's the Sequential Circuits Pro One, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I put it on often. It's one of <laughs> yeah, my favorite songs of all time. It's a fantastic
2: song, and of course, <laughs> it was that. It was for. It was that brilliant blending of electronics and soul, which lots and lots of duos did in the eighties.
1: That voice. So you're listening to the synth. I'm listening to the voice. And, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that was it. Alison Moyer with a bluesy, soulful voice. Mm. And then Vince with his totally clinical, electronic, you know, staccato sounds.
1: It's like he's writing right. for some of these when, when we do our research.
2: Yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> uh, and then, OK, so let's go to uh, the first, first show you saw. What was that? What was that?
2: Uh, it, funnily enough, I was never a massive gig-goer, but um, the the first one... Because you were I, locked in your room with uh, your computers yeah, and just... I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was um, Gary Newman, 1979 Living Ornaments to Hammersmith Odeon. And uh, so he was still... Was he way Army? It was way Army, I guess it would have been billed as And... It was, and to this day, if you go and see Gary Newman, if you know, he's playing you, in
0: LA, yeah, yeah, you
2: know, and he's, he's a rocker, he's a punk, really. He was mm-hmm. a punk and, and and has gone back to his roots over the last probably 15 years. And and when you go and see Gary Newman, it isn't a synth pop gig at all. Um, but he came out on stage because I hadn't seen Bowie by the uh, in 79, I hadn't seen Bowie and would have, you know, that would have been probably the thing for me. But um, he came out on stage at Hammersmith Odeon. And he just, it was in, he was androgynous and he had this pale face
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he had the, he had this black jumpsuit and this blue, and he had black, everything was black except for this blue and red tie. And I have one of those ties because yeah. I went to Kensington Market and bought one with my mates around the same time. He went, where'd you get that tie from? We went and bought one. And, um, he just came on and just had this brilliant light show as well. And at that point, I think you go on forever about Gary him. at that point, lots of gigs, you know, it was, it was long hair and guitars and we're late 70s with post punk. So new wave was coming through, but he just made the effort to make it visually brilliant because lots of the guys were stood behind synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Billy Curry was on his violin, but really it was apart from said sharply playing the drums. It was just guys behind synths, which as we all know, can be very, very dull. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you go to a David Guetta gig, bless him, he's brilliant, David Guetta, mm-hmm. but it's just a guy behind two decks. And one of the dullest gigs I ever went to is craftwork. That the the, um, the, the um, oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. No, I love craftwork. <laughs> I absolutely adore I them. F- but it was the it was the uh, pocket calculator. It was the you know the computer yeah. world tour, and they came out and it was really boring. And I guess at that time we were young and we were like, come on, do something. You're expecting oh. them to move, yeah, yeah. But now that's a legendary gig. And somebody yeah. said to me, you went to that that uh, concert, you know? So Gary Newman, I think Gary Newman slash Two Way Army, it was just brilliant. And and it was I came out of that concert thinking. I just want to be that guy. I just want to be in that world. And, and all that sound, I, the, the sound of those soaring synthesizers through a big PA, when you go and see his gigs now, he still does a few tracks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I f- I'm getting the shivers now. There's these <laughs> sounds of those synths where you go, oh, man, because that, that was totally me. I was totally against guitars at that point in my life. I was like, no, it's got to be electronic. So, yeah, Gary Newman.
1: It's so funny you say that because we've talked about this synth. I also love this kind of music. I don't have the knowledge you do. I? I'm just, just as a listener. But when synth was inserted in the, I guess in the 80s, into rock music here yeah. with some of the rock bands, did not like it at all. I do not right. feel rock it. They right. don't go together to me. I don't.
2: It's not what, that sort of Van Halen jump type synth. Yeah.
1: So I'm thinking about Rush too. Rush. And, uh, yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Yeah. that <laughs> I, I was. That I was a mm, while. I was not a prog rock fan at yeah. all. And that kind of... Guys showing off. I'm not really into that. Into dudes with. I've got so much money, I can buy all these keyboards, and then also I know how to do all this. (laughs) That's not my thing. I'm much more simple, and you know.
1: But they were trying to evolve. I mean, I know a lot of them did use the synth. I mean, that was part of their sound. But Rush, in particular, they inserted it. I I think because they were passionate, they wanted to evolve. But it's not. I don't like it. I don't like the. For as much as I love the the synth pop music, I do not like it with my rock music.
2: Yeah, so okay. then if you were talking post punk, you know when you had mm-hmm. the new wave time, that was great. New Order, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was guitarists, not great guitarists though, not great musicians. Right. It was yeah. Manchester bands or whatever it might be. And that I loved all that as well.
0: And you still love these bands. I mean, do, will you go see the Pesh Mode if they play? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: I would, the last time I saw Depeche Mode, I, I'm very fortunate because I managed to meet a lot of these people. I managed to meet a lot of these people over my in my career in in radio generally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I I had some. Okay. So I have this kind of weird thing where, like, at the last time I saw Depeche Mode was at um, I think it was like Wembley. It was one of the big arenas in London, uh, and went with three friends, and we just did that thing of like. Stumbling down the back steps and standing in amongst all the people and standing with a beer, not really being able to see very well. Martin Gore was behind, you know, Mm -hmm. the the front of house guy. And and I was like, this is cool. I don't mind, you know, and and I love and just let the music wash over you. And I'm kind of too old now, guys. I'm 53. I'm not pushing down the front and standing in amongst all the people like that. And I I did do that once. I once left. When I was working for this company, I I said, look, I've got to go back to London. It was outside. London. so I've got to go back to London because I've got to do this thing. And I made up some excuse. And I went, I left this film shoot. I was the sound engineer on this film shoot. And I literally put the mic down on the floor. I have to go now. Sorry. And I left and came back to London and went to Wembley. So this was about 88, 89. (laughs) And my mate Chris was waiting for me. And we got into Wembley to see Depeche Mode. I didn't tell them that, and we and we pushed all the way down to the front because we were going to stand right at the front and look right up Dave Garn's nose, and in, you know, and we did that, and it was great. But I was, you know, I was much younger, uh, so yeah. Depeche Mode uh, was like a year or two ago, something like that.
1: Oh, I saw them at the at the Hollywood Bowl uh, a year or so ago, and I asked Dan. I actually asked him because he's the biggest Depeche. Mode fan, I know. Mm-hmm. So I actually asked him to be my date, but it would have been a long, a long, <laughs> a long haul for that him. Was a long way to go, it was a great show. It yeah. was a great show. I actually. Why was that?
2: Sorry, what was that? That was Hollywood here.
1: Bowl. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Last year, I think last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a film coming out. next uh, yes! month. I they think.
2: have. They have an Anton Corbyn film coming out, don't they? Yeah, Luke, yeah. That, uh, I was just reading about uh, today,
1: actually. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah that's uh, – I, I don't really know much about that movie, but it's um, It's. it's – what is it? Do you know much about the Tepeshmuk uh, film? It's going to love- be
1: visibly vis- – visually beautiful. It will I'm, be, yeah. I'm sure
0: it will be. But, yeah, I, I'm sure – little concert film a little bit uh yeah I'm sure behind the scenes type yeah, so, you yeah, know yeah. your your concert your basic depeche mode concert yeah so don't you uh, have another
1: depeche mode story to tell
0: so okay you you said you got to meet people <laughs> yes let's get into that
2: did you did you meet Dave?
0: have you met Martin
2: <laughs> I have met uh yeah I've met um well, so I, I've met kind of Dave, Dave, anybody that knows Depeche Mode knows that Dave Garn was clinically dead twice in his life. And so when you go to a Depeche Mode gig now, if you can get to go backstage and try and meet them, he doesn't hang around. He's over that and he just goes back to his hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all fairly kind of quiet about everything now. Uh, Fletch, Fletch is very good friends with a friend of mine. Um and so I phone my friend up and I say, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? He's like, I'm in Fletch's back garden in Spain. We're just like, you know, hanging out in the sun and I'm like, It's been
3: Fletch from the Flesh Road, oh, that's so exciting.
2: Um so I yeah, I've met Fletch and I so I've kind of been introduced to them and and shook their hands and stuff. Um so that's all good and you know I'm, I'm still starstruck by people to this day I, even if I've probably met them a few times are still you know certain bands you're just like it's, it's them they did mm-hmm. you know when you think about because we all know this if you're a music fan when you meet somebody that's done something that absolutely touches your soul I personally can't go yeah whatever it's cool you know they've they've you just want to go, oh, my God. I, saw, mm. I was at, at one of the ASCAP awards ceremonies and Annie Lennox went up to get an award. And she sat back down and I had a few drinks and I thought, I'm just going to go up and say something because, you know, I don't want to miss this opportunity. <laughs> so as I'd, I'd gone up to get my award. So I kind of thought, okay, I'm not just anybody now. I'm an award winner. She's not going to push me <laughs> away. Her people aren't going to rugby tackle me to the ground as I move towards her, you know. And um, so I just went up to her and I just said, Thank you for everything you've done and she went oh my god that's so sweet thank you and I shook her hand and I walked off <laughs> and I'm like just uh, let so, you know, she, obviously again the Eurythmics phenomenal
0: band. That's the opposite of me I could never do that because yeah. I think nothing good could come of, <laughs> what <do you> know <laughs>
1: of
0: that know. like what are they going to say oh my yeah I mean well, that's, that's know, but, wonderful uh, that's but, uh, genuine because I always feel like I'm going to say I'm, just insert foot now." you're my biggest what can I say that they have never heard before and it's it's. Yeah,
2: and, I, and again I say you know I had a Reason I did I I just gone on I, stage. I was starting know what I mean. It, okay. I'm with you. I wouldn't just walk straight up to them out of nowhere and go hello because it would be a little bit cheesy. But. I thought, okay, I, I can sort of get away with this. Did so, you have a yeah. ward in hand? when you I had to- a ward <laughs> in okay. hand. All right, very good. But do you know what, like though? That's I, smart. <laughs> I, still, I will still go up to people and go, I'm so sorry, can I just shake your hand? I'm not so I sorry, I don't say that because the one thing famous yeah, people hate, one thing famous people hate is when you say, I'm really sorry, I know you don't like this, but, you know, right. any famous yeah. person I know has always said to me, I just wish people would come and go, hey, can I get a photo? And they either go no or yes, you know. Anyway, so that was the Annie Lennox thing. Well, that's good
0: because it's it's either yeah, oh, they'll be a jerk or they'll yeah. be or you, yeah, know, like, you know, or you'll feel like <laughs> a yeah. jerk. I always feel like it's a no win situation. Well, I don't know,
2: and you might go but, to your grave and go, I should have said something. Well, I did wait, yeah, for for Springsteen.
0: I mean springsteen oh, okay. is my gary newman okay. i waited he had a book signing i waited like days, days yeah <laughs> it was yeah it was rosh hashanah yeah, yeah. i waited like I, took, I was not in temple i was at the temple of bruce and it was like five six hours yeah. i just got to touch his soft leather jacket and i i smiled and you know so
2: <laughs> and did you not you, did, you didn't say anything to him? i did
0: say i said i actually asked if he would do this for elvis and he said, Yeah, yeah, I think I see? would. Like, yeah. That's cute. Yeah, that was right. I'm, and a good well, question, course, but you know? But yeah. I had six hours to think of that. When it's, <laughs> but, like, it's, I've been in situations where, you know, you see someone within, you know, right right up to you, and, or, you know, like, I, I can't, I can't, I just yeah. can't. I yeah. can't. I saw Michael Stipe. Like, uh, no, nope, 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 right. nope, Dave's nope. a well, huge I'm, REM fan. Uh, okay.
2: Well, uh, so my David Bowie story, so I'll tell you my David Bowie okay. story about that exact, that, that exact same, well, nearly that exact same thing. Uh, When I was working on Virgin Radio, which is a commercial radio, uh, you know, it's a big brand, but it's a commercial radio station in in the UK. And um, at the time, it was like 99, I think, so um, uh, Bowie had an album out called Hours. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of getting some airplay, I think mm-hmm. we were playing it because Virgin's a rock station and it was yeah. you know that Bowie fits the fits the remit anyway uh, I went back to my desk because I was working on the breakfast show at the time, and the program director phoned me up and he said, hey uh, you know I'm going over to the Made of Vale Studios, the BBC Made Vale Studios uh, because Bowie's recording two songs for the station because mm. Bowie was doing this junket you know, and if you were playing his stuff his new album um, he would do he would do a couple of songs for every single station. And, I, and he said, do you want to come down? I was like, do I want to come down? I have down? chills. Well, see, oh, my God. Do I want to come down? So I oh, was yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man, you know. So I jumped on my motorbike and I went over to Maida Vale. And uh, we go into the studio. And the, it's one of the small studios. It has this kind of mezzanine floor. So you've got these steps and you sit up on this. You're raised up over the top of whoever's, mm-hmm. you know, recording and performing. And um, so we're ushered in. <laughs> Me and this guy, Nick, who's a, a really good friend of mine, we're ushered into this room and I'm God, this is like the freakiest thing for me in the world, mm-hmm. because from the age of seven to now I'm in my thirties or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> well, something like that. Um, there he is. He had the long hair. He's smoking like a trooper. It's David Bowie. It's has and Dorsey on bass and all the other guys on that band that he had at the time. And, uh, so we sit down and, um, he plays one of the tracks off the new album, which, I can't remember what it was. Sorry, David. Uh, and then he turns to us. So there's just me and Nick in this room with the Plago and a couple of other guys from the record label. And he looks up and he says, uh, what do you want us to do now then? So like, um, changes? I don't know. Pretty things? I'm just throwing out wow. the greatest songs ever. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, here we go. You know, still don't know what I've been waiting for. And, and I'm sat wow. there yeah. watching David Bowie singing a song that I tore the grooves out with the needle when I was a kid in front of me for the two of us, you know, and he does it and he finishes this song and it's just the most fantastic thing. And so the guy, so they finish, you know, and he stops and he's smoking and everyone's shuffling about. And Mick from the record label comes up to me and he says, uh, do you want to come and say hello? (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, in that situation fuck yeah no, no I go like this I go, really? so I go uh, no I don't know what to say to him I absolutely can't do this because I'm going to be talking right, that's so, funny bless him he says to me shut up and come and say hello to him You know. so I go down the stairs and I shake his hand and I said something <laughs> about I was something to do with um, I come all this way and I get a terrible seat behind a pillar because there was a pillar up there that <laughs> we were kind of behind and we in our heads around it you know i made some joke and he laughed and i was like i've made him laugh uh you know i couldn't go to my grave happy and we chatted for what felt like probably 30 seconds it might have been a bit longer i don't know and we got ushered out and i got back on my motorbike and i rode home at about 150 miles an hour thing if i die now it doesn't matter because i've met him i've met the guy yeah, yeah. i've met the man mm. and and one-on-one and on one, you know and um the next day <laughs> so anyway I'll, I'll get on with this so the next day I'm at my desk and the phone goes and it's the guy from the record label he says hey you know how do you think uh, did you have a good time and I said Mick you know you don't understand man I bought Starman when I was seven he said I didn't realise you were such a big fan I said yeah 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 you know this, that was like a dream come true for me he said oh because you should have hung around because we went back to his hotel room we hung out all oh. night he loves all that I'm like no no anyway so I <laughs> I, I kind of touch base with him and you know I will know to this day that I, that I spoke yeah. to him. Okay, so we'll stop it right here.
0: Having so much fun. We will return next week. We will continue our discussion. And uh, until then, this is Dave.
1: This is Holly. Check you later. Over now.